0: Welcome to The Year Ahead, our hit the ground running New Year podcast series where we chat to our friends in news about what they've got their eye on this year and in true Squiz form, we get their recommendations. In this case, it's a reading one. Stay into the end also for a future women exclusive offer for Squizers. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Welcome, Helen McKay. Thank you. Great to be here. Should we introduce you? We know you very well. You do, in actually. Fact, I've worked for you.
1: <laughs> this is a bit strange. <laughs> it's been a while, so we'll, I'm sure all the sins of the past are forgiven. <laughs> sure they are. You're the founder and managing director
0: of Future Women. Your background in media is extensive. You worked for a lot of media companies. A fellow country girl as well from Hamley Bridge, in yes, South Australia. You began your career in Adelaide working in radio and television before moving to the Canberra Press Gallery with the Seven Network. Correct me if any of this is incorrect. So far, uh, so good. Then at The Australian, you were the deputy editor of the Sunday Telegraph. You spent six years as editor-in-chief of the Australian Women's Weekly. That is where you were my boss. You launched Future Women in 2018 and Future Women Jobs Academy in 2021. I'm exhausted.
2: <sighs> I'm old. Breathe <laughs> out. <laughs> I've been around a long time. Oh, That's please. My, that is That is all I hear when someone reads out my bio, is, is that it? I have been around for a long time. But how great. Yeah, it's good. It's a good career. Absolutely. I've had an amazing time and I'm very grateful for all of those crazy roles. I admire a lot about you. We both admire a lot mm. about
0: you, Helen. Um, but one of the things I think about a bit is when your time at The Weekly came to an end, you had a lot of options, but you decided to go into startup land and start Future Women. Five years in now? Six years in now? Yeah. Five thoughts, half. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, Musings?
2: Well, Kate. Um, I'd spent so long at the weekly, um, looking at, um, a number of female entrepreneurs that had done really great things and watching and basically gave myself enough pep talks to have a go, but it would be disingenuous for me not to say that, um, I didn't take a full risk. I talked a... (laughs) She's clever. Yeah. I didn't take a full (laughs) risk. I talked, um, a lot to someone at the time called Hugh Marks, who was by then CEO of Nine and he supported it. So uh, nine to this day is a shareholder in Future Women. So that proved to be a pretty good thing to do ultimately.
0: We'll talk about Future Women a bit more in a second, but Claire, you've uh, gifted Helen, with the um, (laughs) year ahead task of talking
2: about politics.
1: Yeah. You want to pick up? Which is
2: quite a gift. (laughs) Well, you know that I'm very happy to talk politics and I don't do enough of it in my day job anymore. So let's go. Exactly.
1: So where we start is when you look back on 2023, the
2: thing that stuck with you. The thing that stuck with me was how much there was to do. So we got a Labor government and... The years of COVID meant that the previous government had put a lot of big things to one side. And so this new government, who hadn't been in power for a long time, comes in with its own ambitions and ideals and philosophy. But the first thing that is um, really clear to them is the level of the work that needs to be done. So you've got the NDIS, which we're talking about a lot at the moment huge budgetary issues. You've got defence, we've got a constant talk about a war with China um, and tension in the region. Um, we've got a health budget that is is large and we've got incredible demands on the government to spend money on wages, on cost of living, on petrol prices. So what strikes me is just the sheer level of work that had to be done. And then how they went about that, which was kind of classic Labor government which was to order a lot of reviews and you know we have joked about that from time to (laughs) time and start that review process which of course they kept talking about being a two-term government and wanting to move quickly so we're in the really tough part Mm. of an election cycle now. Just to give
1: squizzes and insight into us you and Kate and Bryce and I had dinner Recently, and we talked about this. We weren't talking about frivolous fun things like our friends and gossiping. This is sort of the we well, did some <laughs>
2: gossiping. was well, a little bit of gossiping. People <laughs> will never <laughs> want to come to dinner with us. <laughs> no, no, like we're just the not, least interesting people. Of small talk. There's, <laughs> no, a lot there's not a big talk
1: sort of <laughs> happening, and you were really, I thought, very articulate about exactly what. When you look back on 2023 and what the Albanese government has had to do, you're right, that sheer weight of challenge to actually wrangle, they're big things, inflation being the highest that it's been for 30 years. The NDIS, which is obviously an important reform, but just out of control in terms of cost, um, it's going to come around the corner into an election so that moves us into 2024 as well well
2: and what we're talking about now is you know commentary after so much commentary um and so many commentators talking about how the government's floundering and it's not performing and that the PM looks deflated and he ended the year looking flat and he's never here and you know I, I am not surprised mm-hmm. um this was quite intense this period um for any government to tackle given the spending of the previous government which was all about getting us through covid through and just the to, pandemic. And just to say you, the government previous government did get us through the, through covid and did it uh pretty well uh on a, a big challenge If you're judging time. it if yeah. you're judging it by global standards. So so let me ask you this if you were writing this
1: up in your previous job at the Sunday telly what mm. would you say 2023 was
2: versus how you would be pitching that for the women's weekly. Oh, okay. Um I would say that for the Sunday telly, the jury's out. Um, We we need to see a lot more from this government before we can make a a, a serious judgment about whether it's any good. And I think there's a question mark about the the Prime Minister uh, ability to manage certainly the press and the news cycle. Um, For Women's Weekly, there's so many new amazing women on the front bench Mm. that have got great stories to tell. So... I'd be looking for um, those stories with the the Penny Wongs, the Clare O'Neills, the Katie Gallagher's. Um, They're a really rich seam of news and, and, and personal stories and great photo shoots.
0: I was going to say, yeah. Would you be? How would you be dressing them up?
2: Well, one of the great things <laughs> that I um, often got asked was the red, the feather the red feather boa. Um, and those Cheryl Kerno. Well, yeah, your listeners that are under or over thirty might remember, but if you're under thirty, you've no idea what I'm talking about. But poor Cheryl Kerno, who I know knew quite well. Did a shoot with Women's Weekly when she was leader of the Democrats. This wasn't on your watch. Nothing to do with me. But I paid the price. (laughs) Like there was – you couldn't do a shoot with a a female politician or even a woman who was in, you know, serious professional career without them sending me very strict – (laughs) <laughs> you know noticeable about guidelines. yeah no feather bowlers I'm like do I really look like a feather bowl person anyway um <laughs> you really really don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the record for those who can't see you she's not wearing a feather no, bower and no you
0: are not that person but
2: Can- to but to the editor of women's weekly who did that um I know that editor would say yes you didn't do that but you had your own moments with photo shoots that didn't go so well um and um, I certainly did have a couple of moments with some key women in this country that didn't go so well. I wasn't
1: going to even talk no, about We weren't going to talk about I know. it.
2: But if anyone
0: is wondering, it's a reference to Julia Gillard and the knitting photo. And a kangaroo. And you know what? Let's move on. Move on. We're actually supposed to be talking about the year ahead. <laughs> exactly. And we've spent a lot of time dwelling on the past. We're moving on. We're moving <laughs> forward to twenty twenty four. You've cited the respect at work laws changes to reporting for the WGEA, which you're gonna tell me what that is. Yep. Um is as the story you're keeping your eye on for this yep. year.
2: Yeah. So um absolutely fascinating. And I'm telling you there's a whole bunch of employers who have no idea that these legislation that this legislation is upon us. So on December 12, um, employers will have a positive duty to ensure that there is no sexual harassment harassment in the workplace. And a positive duty means you have to have taken action to prevent that. And employers are in for a shock about the sorts of complaints they're going to get and what legislative requirements will be in that environment. So that is big, um, but in addition to that, they come together. Is the workplace gender equality agency, WGEA, and a lot of companies have shape shifted or designed the um, their reporting to meet those requirements. And these are companies with over 100 people. But those laws uh, are also changing. So, for example, you'll see a big company report that 40% of our women are in senior executive positions, and in some cases. Uh, that's kind of manufactured. Companies are going to get, who've just got their 50% or their 40%, you know, gender equity in their leadership roles, are suddenly going to be queried about, well, that's great, but we pay Kate significantly less than we pay Peter.
1: A good chance for you to plug FW and the work that you do in this space.
2: Yeah, so um, Future Women Now is... Um, a business that began as a sort of traditional online media business, but increasingly becoming, for want of a better way of describing, a business that does the doing as well as the advocacy. So we train professional women in terms of their advancement in um, their careers. We also work with underemployed women in finding jobs. We also work with organisations to assist them in retaining and attracting women into into roles. Um, And that is multi-leveled. At one point, we were only working with women uh and then the respect at work laws uh and the march for justice rallies and all of the momentum that existed during the era of the scott morrison prime ministership meant that we started to work with men so rather than treating men uh as the enemy or excluding them from the conversation, we started having a conversation with them and talking about how they could be better leaders, um, better leaders of gender equal teams, and most importantly, how to attract the best talent into the organisation. Well, you've also noted down
0: here, um, just ahead of our conversation, that you think one of the big news themes of 2024 will be around homelessness. Women are some of the, the most displaced in this country? Is
2: yes, that you, and Is
0: that what you meant or is this just a broader? It's a broader observation. Yeah. I think
2: if we, we think about all of the issues, NAS, defence spending, um, inflation, uh, cost of living, um, climate change, uh, I think the one thing that in all of that, that will have a significant impact in all of our lives, whether you own a investment property uh or whether you've got children that are trying to rent um it, it is the impact of um housing yeah and that does flow through to every aspect of our lives and homelessness I mean we're recording not far from King's Cross uh the Wayside Chapel and St Canice's are both reporting double the numbers of people turning up for food and assistance every day so there's quite a bit in that. Um, we know just recently, of course, there's a serious debate on migration. Yeah. Does that have an impact on the debate going into the next year or two? I mean, potentially. Uh, but it feels a bit to me like the horse is bolted and we're a long way behind on um, how we navigate that with the states. The federal government navigates that problem with the states and I do think women, as is often the case, are on the front line of those um, economic downturns. Because even in a practical sense, it's such a lead time.
1: Correct. To get anything done. Well, you've got to build stuff. Yeah. Let yeah. alone to have the conversation about what we're going to change.
2: So, And all the state governments are kind of looking it, at it. And yeah. so when I say it's going to have an impact on everyone, I mean, everyone with their holiday homes mm. and their Battle Act like block. So it's one of those stories that literally hits, I think, every aspect of our lives so and i think you're right will for not just 2024 but for years to come years to come yeah. and i guess i go back to my point about the cleanup you know th- this government has been left with the cleanup um and that is uh, incredible rises in inflation this is called news club this feed that we are publishing this podcast on let's round back
0: to media actually um return to your ollie lecture i don't know if you've been asked about that recently no, oh, I haven't. Well, I I went to that lecture and I saw you deliver it. It's one for those who don't know. It's one of the it's the media lecture in the country. Um, not many women have actually given that. You were one of a couple. One of I think two it was about
2: four or five now. But yeah. at the time, I think I was only one of two or three. Yeah. You said well, you talked a lot about trust
0: in that lecture. You talked a lot about um, like civics, I guess, and civil society and how we operate and the, the role of journalism in that. Do you remember your finishing line?
2: Can no. I read it to you? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you finished by saying that the duty of journalists is to not succumb to despair, that we encourage civility and that we remain ever a servant of the audience. Since that, giving that lecture in 2015, are you encouraged by what you see from our media, from our journalists?
2: I mean, there's some exceptional journalism underway. Um, I think the Nick McKenzie work on Ben Robert smith is astonishing journalism. Uh, So, and Hedley Thomas, of course, um, Kate McClymont. um, There is some incredible journalism underway. But I do share everyone's alarm at the move to commentary and opinion and the hysteria over an opinion that you don't agree with. Um, I think since I gave that lecture, the biggest shift has been, and I think Lisa has touched on this, is that we're not very good at having alternative, or hearing alternative opinions. Yeah, or or engaging with them. Or engaging, yeah. Yeah. Creating an environment where we can disagree. And I find that really challenging and quite upsetting. In fact, at my stage in my career, I'm almost at the point, I don't want to engage on mm. any of those difficult topics because I I find it quite distressing to be in another fight and being accused of being something, you name being all labelled the, something. Use all the words, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. when you just have a different opinion. Or you're searching for or it. Or you're searching, correct, yeah. you're asking questions. Um, and we're talking about this a lot. I've got a, a friend of mine in, in town staying with me at the moment. She's the South Asia correspondent, I should, Jakarta correspondent, um for the Australian Amanda Hodge, an incredible career, and we talked about this a lot over the weekend. That lack of an ability to have an open conversation and admit that something doesn't sit right when you're saying a lot of commentary. And it depends what your media outlet is, of course, and mm. you know what platforms you're listening to. And you tend to, you know, you tend to gravitate, I think, to the ones that support your viewpoint because it feels safer and more comfortable, easier. Yeah. Um So I think that that is. That is really upsetting and worrying and I don't really see a lot of change to that. And it's partly because journalism is expensive to do and it's undermined by um, the, the splintering of the of the news sources and the shifting nature of um, the various platforms. You can't rely on any revenue stream easily anymore. So... I think that's the big shift. But mm-hmm. um, there's still, I mean, there's always hope. There's great, there's still great journalism regularly and there's some real standouts in this country. Very thoughtful answer. I was very curious about how you would respond to that one. So
0: thank you for taking it on. <laughs> Should we get your recommendations? Because it's something we
2: can all agree on with Beckham. Oh, uh- <laughs>
0: Very curious about what you loved about it. Well, you.
2: I'm just going to say that I got that recommendation from Claire. So she Claire Kimball. Yeah, yeah. She, she texted me one Friday night and said, if you're looking for something to watch, watch Beckham. And I was like there in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Like I just knew I was going to love it. I was waiting for the, and is Incredible, which never actually happened. It was all about, it was just all about David Beckham. But I became, <laughs> I became just... Taken by him. Um, well, obsessed with mm. him. Like I just couldn't watch him enough. <laughs> I watched. Just...
1: I watched the See, first I... episode, and I knew Helen <laughs> would love it. Yeah. So I sent her a text, yeah. and I knew that you'd have to get your partner, Alistair over the line. Yeah. Because, yeah, he just probably wasn't going to be his. Well, thing. he's
2: zombies and war movies. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. <laughs> yeah. no. oh, got one of yeah. those. But how two? good was it? It was so good.
1: What was it that you loved about it
0: so much? And, I mean, for anyone who hasn't watched it, Beckham, it's a documentary made by David Beckham, essentially produced by... <laughs> his Beckham. PR. It's his PR, but yeah. it's uh, two parts, I recall. I think two parts. No, no, four. it goes forever. Oh, is it four? Yeah. yeah. It's great. I don't
2: know. Hopefully it's... this can kind of bring out more. Yeah, okay, and, it, and it's about his marriage. It's about his whole career, and you should watch it if you haven't. Um, two things. What was it? Two things. One... Um, a lesson in resilience like you're a Mm. young kid you're 23 years old and you make one mistake in the world cup and the country hates you for two years you cannot go out in public you cannot open a newspaper they boo you your own coach abandons you and you still have to run onto the pitch and play great football like his ability to just get past that and keep going was blew me away and I just think it's a really great lesson in fact when I'm mentoring some of our FW Job Academy women I go go and watch the Beckham thing because (laughs) that's a really good lesson. Do you think Posh was pretty resilient too? Oh well (laughs) She's pretty tough. Just by the way. yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I want the posh version. Yeah, I want, the, I want the posh version. I want the posh too. version because exactly, she was incredibly resilient. So there was that, just the, his ability to overcome incredible odds mm. with the entire world watching him. And the other thing is that whole scene with, where they dance to Islands in the Stream. <laughs> just that. <laughs> just watch it <her> for that. <laughs> just, it's just <laughs> like, are these two people, could they be any cooler? Yeah.
1: I mean, odd. They're odd. They look odd. Uh, see, I like, took. I took exactly that. What do you mean five. they look odd? I didn't think cool when I saw that. I was
2: like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." Oh, no, it's. lovely. They were just having fun. It's lovely. I do wonder when that was completely choreographed. Oh, uh, well, yeah, think. I- <laughs> Don't burst my bubble <laughs> on his PR. Do not documentary. burst my bubble. Do not this
1: us get, like <laughs> happily
0: disagreeing. <laughs> this, this, this is a, this exactly is, this is it in action. I just want to
2: tell your listeners that Claire is much more cynical than I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> probably true. <laughs> uh, as
0: promised, Helen, before you go, we have an announcement to make for all those listening. Future Women is offering every squizzer a free red membership to join FW. What does that include? Uh,
2: that includes access to our community and newsletters, our podcasts. Um, and to all of uh, early heads up on our tickets and events that we're doing. So, um, yeah, it's twenty percent off on to their
0: International Women's Day event, which we've been to, which is
2: a big it's one. It's fantastic. You've got some speakers lined up already. We have um, the summit March four and five in Sydney, in person or virtually. Um, speakers include Julia Baird will hopefully open it. Uh, Melissa oh. Leong. Uh, Jamila Rizvi will be there Claire Boditch, is going to sing Yeah, one- she's going to perform She's going to perform um, And then we're going to have a bit more networking and fun at the end um, So we've invited Claire Boditch to come along So uh, yeah, a bit of a shorter content agenda But more fun and more wine Love it. I think I might go. I think I might yep. attend. And for any Squizzers
0: interested, you can sign up to that REB membership using the code Squeeze 2024 There's a link mm-hmm. in your episode notes. This is a free offer, a really great opportunity um, for Squizzers to get involved with Future Women. And as I said, 20% off that summit. If you do sign up, Helen, thank you so much for joining us.
2: And um, Congratulations on everything you've done. And here's to a really big 2024. Yeah, bring yeah. it
0: on. You can find more about Future Women at futurewomen.com or Helen at McCabe Helen on Instagram. We're almost done with our Year Ahead series. Next week is our last episode. That's with Abby Jelmy and Georgie Tunney. I'm big fans of their podcast, The Two Good Sports. It's very appropriate to talk about sport, uh, given the year that 2023 was with the Matildas and women's sport having such a big moment. They've got some pretty big predictions for this year, centred mainly around, of course, the Olympics. They're both so much fun. Tune in next Thursday for that. In the meantime, we'll catch you on Weekly Wrap on Saturday. Catch you then.